Make a difference. What does that mean? You know, I, I just, on a whim earlier in the week, I just, I just typed in, what does make a difference mean? And Google tells me this. Make a difference means to have a significant effect on a person or a situation. That is a great definition. That's a great definition. To have a significant effect on a person or on a situation. Uh, if you're familiar with a man by the name of John Wesley, John Wesley was the founder of the United Methodist Church. And, uh, and he said this a long, long time ago. He said, do all the good you can by all the means you can in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long as you ever can. Now, that's also a great quote or statement about making a difference, having some type of significant impact on somebody. I've been for the last couple of months just, uh, um, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of the actor Gary Sinise. Uh, you know, Lieutenant Dan, for those of you that remember the Forrest Gump and a whole bunch of other things. But Gary is one of those guys that, that he, he run into God later in life. And actually, he, he run into God because he was serving people. He began to serve wounded warriors and, and do, he just does a tremendous amount of work with our, with our armed forces, with our first responders, with the Wounded Warrior Project and all this kind of, the Gary Sinise Foundation is a phenomenal organization. I know some of you have worked with them here, but he's just, you know, I've just been a fan of him for years. And when, so I picked up his book. Uh, Kim and I were at Epcot last year during Christmas, and he was the speaker for the Christmas program. He read the, the Christmas story, and at the end of it, he had some comments that just really, that really kind of moved me. And, uh, and so when I heard about his book coming out, A Grateful American, I bought it. And so I've been reading it for the last couple of months, just when I get a few minutes here and there. And I finished it a couple of weeks ago. And he talks about in this book, he makes a statement in the last chapter of the book. He said this, every person on this planet is here for a purpose. As the years have rolled on, I've come to believe that purpose is to care for other people and to help this world become a better place through service to others. And as I thought about that, in light of what I'm going to talk to you about this morning, I, I don't know that there's a better quote or a better statement about our purpose for existence. It happens too often that we get to this point where, where we live our life for self-indulgence. We live our life, and it's all about us, and it's all about what we want and what we want to do, and we pull and we bring and we bring and we pull everything to ourselves. But the truth of the matter is that we, we were not created for ourselves. Everything in our life, the good times and the bad times, everything in life, everything that we run into, everything, everything that we experience is for the good of other people that we're going to come in contact with. How we use those situations, how we use those, those uh, uh, circumstances, how we use the pain that we face, the wins and the losses, uh, is, is how, how we use that is going to be largely dependent on how we view those things in our life. If we view them as an opportunity to learn and grow, then most of the time we're going to pour into somebody else. If we use them as, as a self-indulgent pity party where we just go, woe is me because I had this happen and woe is me because I had... And I'm not diminishing your pain. Please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to be harsh in, at any level. I'm simply saying if we're not careful, we will use the experiences of our life as some internal lid that keeps us bottled up and angry about what went on in our past. 
The problem with that is if that's the case, then the pain of our life is wasted and it never impacts anybody. So we cannot make a difference in somebody's life. Okay? So as we look through this today, you know, um, Paul said to the church at Ephesus, he said this, he said, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. I, I don't know that anybody would look at the state of the world in which we live in and go, man, this is just a wonderful season in the life, in the history of humanity, and everybody's getting along, and nobody's mad, nobody's angry, nobody's killing anybody, and nobody's abusing anybody. So, no, no one, none of us would do that. We look at it in reality, and we go, yes, the days are evil. The days are evil. I read a news feed this week about a man that took a machete to his 10-year-old and 17-year-old daughter. I mean, what kind, what kind of evil is in a person's heart and mind to do something like that? You know, but Paul said this 1,900 plus years ago. He said, he said, make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. If you're following along in version this morning, you'll see the, the, next, the next passage of Scripture we're going to look at is in Luke 10. It's the story of the Samaritan. And, and what I don't want to do this morning is beat up on the priest and the Levites because they looked at the guy that had been beaten and laid by the side of the road and went around him. And, and I, but I, I just want to key on the guy that stopped because he's the one that chose to make a difference. He, you know, there's this guy, he's moving, he's going from Jerusalem to Jericho, it's about 20 miles, been down that road, it's a, it's a precarious place. And, and uh, somewhere along there, some guys jumped out, beat him up, took all of his money, took everything he owned, and left him for dead in the ditch. And, and this guy comes along. He's there bleeding. If, if, if someone doesn't help him, guess what? He's going to die. But this guy comes along, and, and he recognizes. He knows that he's not. You know, this is a Samaritan individual. He knows the man that's in the ditch beaten is a Jewish person. They don't necessarily get along. As a matter of fact, most of the Jewish people of that day would look at someone from Samaria and they would consider them as a dog. They didn't even consider them human beings. They considered them as dogs. But yet it was this Samaritan that saw the man in need and went out of his way, got off of his donkey or his horse or whatever he was on and went over and took care of the guy. He bandaged his wounds, cleaned his wounds with oil and, and, and wine, cleaned them all up, bandaged him up, put him on his donkey and took him to the next town and put him up in the inn, took care of him there. And when he had to go on to, this next, to his next engagement, he looked at the inn owner, the owner of the inn, and said, hey, here's some money. Make sure he gets all the medical treatment he needs. And when I come back, if I owe you anything else, and I'll take care of it at that time. Now, let me ask you this question. Do you think that this Samaritan had a significant impact on the guy in the ditch? He did. He had a significant, as a matter of fact, he saved this man's life. Well, if I saw someone that had been beaten up and they were bloody and, and beaten in a ditch, I would stop and I would help them and all that kind of stuff. Okay. Why would you do that? Well, I would do that because they would, they would need it. And maybe, 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 maybe I would make CNN. Maybe I'd make Channel 3 News because of what I, the act that I did. That's the wrong attitude to go into this. What do we do when we see people in need? You know, and, and look, I'm not, saying, I'm not saying that you've got to throw cash out the window to every person that stands on a street corner with a sign that I'm homeless and God bless you and all that. I'm not saying that. I'm saying we have to do that sometimes. 
I'm not saying that, that everybody that comes in with, a, with, with asking their hand that, that, you've got, that you've got to open your wallet and, and your own. I'm not saying those things. I'm saying, I'm saying we have to begin to think if we're going to literally make room for God, then we have to figure out how we can make a difference in people's lives. And we do that because Paul said, make the most of every opportunity. Make the most of the opportunities that present themselves. The Good Samaritan, we call him the Good Samaritan. That was not a, that's not a biblical term. That's a term that was added when, you know, probably when it was translated into English and someone said, hey, let's call this guy a Good Samaritan. The pastor only refers to him as a Samaritan. But he stopped. He bandaged his wounds. He took him to an inn. He paid for a stay. He paid for any further medical treatment that was needed. First Peter 4 tells us this, above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Love covers a multitude of sins. Love covers a multitude of sins. Does that mean that if we really love someone like we're supposed to love, if we love God and we love others like we're supposed to biblically, that we may overlook the shortcomings in someone's life and just reach out just because they're in need? Not based on what they've done, not based on their, in, their, their past, not based on the, even their present. I mean, it would be real easy if, if you see someone in need and you decide to do that. It would be real easy for you to talk yourself out of it going, this person, let me, let me interview this person and ask them some questions about what got them to where they are. Well, let me ask you a question. If you're homeless and you have no job and you have no food and you have nothing but the clothes on your back, does it really matter how you got there? The bottom line is you're hungry and you're thirsty, and you need something besides a cardboard box to, to get under when it's rainy, like on a day like today. Yeah, I get it. People make bad choices, and things happen in people's lives, but the truth of the matter is, are we really looking at people around us trying to seize the opportunities that are presented to us so that we can make a difference in somebody's life? If we really love God and we really love other people, then we're going to begin to look past the why and begin to figure out how we can impact somebody significantly in their life. Love covers a multitude. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Without grumbling. We, have, we, have a, we, we, we used to say around here, you know, we, we need you to serve, we want you to serve, but we've just kind of got to a point in the last few years where it's not, it's not about obligation, it's about privilege. We get to. You see a lot of people wearing the t-shirts, I get to serve, hashtag I get to serve. I, that's, that's kind of the underlying current of what I'm talking about here this morning. It's a privilege to be able to reach into somebody's life and make a significant impact on them. We get to, we don't have to. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. If you're serving and you're grumbling while you're doing it, guess what? You're not doing that person any good and you're not doing yourself any good. And God's up there going, well, you know what? You may want credit for this, but you're probably not going to get it. It's the same way with a donation when you start contributing financially. Well, I, you know, it's not about I have to. It's about I get to. It's a privilege to do this. And God loves what? A cheerful giver, not a cantankerous, ornery, mean-spirited, complaining, here's the money. Here's the money. Yeah, I do it every month. Bless God. And God's going, leave me out of that. I ain't got nothing to do with that spirit behind that. <laughs> Offer hospitality to one another. Each of you, now here's, here's, but here's really where I wanted to get to. That, that didn't cost you a nickel. That's, you know, that's just kind of an exegesis of that, those couple of verses there. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. 
as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. What does that mean, in its various forms? Use what you've been given, whatever gift you have received, to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its, in its various forms. So what is God's grace in various forms? Well, two of those forms would be giving and, and, and serving, right? When we give of our time, when we give of our talent, when we give the treasure that God's blessed us with, we in turn do that. But let's bring it down a little bit more to where we live today. Jesus told a group of people, and one of the, some of the last things that he taught in the book of Matthew, he said this, I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Would that, could that possibly be God's grace in various forms in people's lives? Absolutely it could. Absolutely it could. You go, well, I, you know, I want to do these kind of things. I want to, you know, and you can do those. But it's not necessarily just physical food. It's not necessarily feeding the guy on the, on the corner at, at, uh, there at Sam's and, and Beal Park. It's not that necessarily that. Or even here in our town where you see people. But sometimes God will lay it on your heart and you see someone in need and you just feel like you've got to do that. Kim and I, Kim and I have, we've always, we've always kind of worked in tandem together when it comes to the benevolence that, that we do outside of our church giving. When we see someone in need, if, if, you know, if I feel it, I'm sitting, I'm sitting there thinking about something, and I go, what do you think about this? She goes, well, I was thinking this, and I'm going, well, we were, we're on the same page with that. A number of years ago, we were going to dinner up in Crestview after church, or lunch after church one Sunday, and just before you get to Shoal River, on the side of the road, there's this family there and they've got the hood up on their van, and there's a bunch of kids out there and everything else, and we, we were headed to lunch. Boom. And, you know, back to church, it's time to eat and then take a nap. And so we, were, we, we zoomed by, and as we went by, I just, out of the corner of my eye, I looked. I saw them, but when I went by, I just looked. And as I went by, I just, something in my, something just said, you need to do something. You need to do something. And I'm not telling you this to tag any roses on Kim, and I'm just telling you this is the type of thing that, this is how God does this. Okay? I went up, and I missed the first little turny thing, turnaround thing, so I went up to the next one, and she said, you're going to go back, right? I said, yes, ma'am. She said, what are you thinking? I said, I got a $100 bill. That's all I got. And she said, that's exactly what I felt like we should do. If you didn't have one, I would look to see if I had one. Now, it's rare that she and I both have one of them things at the same time. I just want you all to understand that. But we went, and, I, and I don't condone giving people money that you don't know and all this kind of stuff, but this was one of those occasions where we just knew something was going on. And we went, and I got out of the truck, and I walked over to where they were, and, and I talked with them for a few minutes, and, you know, they were trying to get from this location to the other location, and they literally, um, they had, their car had overheated, and someone had stopped and given them some water, but they were down on fumes, and, and it was a big van. It was an old one. And there's like four or five kids, and I mean, it was just kids poking out of every window and everything else. But we gave them $100. They went and filled up their tank. Now, I don't know what they, you know, I assume that's what they did, okay? My deal wasn't to ask them and quiz them what they're going to do with 100 bucks. My deal was, this is what God said for us to do. We did it. And then, and then God does his deal, okay? It's up to them, and it's between, the, between them and God at that point. I'm telling you that to say that we have an opportunity. When we have those opportunities, when God speaks to our heart, it may not be that they actually need food, but maybe it's gasoline. Maybe it's gasoline. Maybe, maybe it's, you know, they need water for the vehicle or something like that. But hospitality to strangers, 
Hebrews talks about that we need to be careful what we do with strangers because sometimes we, under, we entertain angels without even knowing it. Without even knowing it. But we clothe the naked, we care for the sick, we visit those in prison. And, and that's, that gets to be a dicey one this day and age because it's not, you can't just go up to the county uh, jail and go, hey, I want to see inmate so-and-so. That doesn't happen anymore. You've got to go through all kinds of hoops and everything else to be able to do that. But what about someone that you know that maybe have some kind of physical ailment or infirmity and they can't get out of their house? Would you consider their home to be a prison for, due to their physical illness? So what about visiting those people? What about somebody that you know that, that, that uh, they need food brought into their home because of some sickness or because of a family situation? What, it, it, it just transposes into a lot of different ways. It transposes into a lot of different ways. What about someone that is in the prison of emotional disability? What if they've got some kind of thing going on in their emotions or in their physical body? And as a church, we can provide those avenues. Or maybe you can provide help in that and go, hey, I know of this clinic or I know of this facility or I know this person that can help with this situation. Is that not visiting someone, visiting those people? Is that not caring for the sick as well? You see, it, it, it transposes into a lot of different deals. It's not necessarily as literal as we want it to be sometimes. And then he said this. He said, when you've done it, they said, when do we do that, Lord? He said, when you've done it to the least of these, you've done it unto me. The least of these. Have you ever been in the category of the least of these? A lot of people have. A lot of people have. Some people say, well, no, I've never been there. Are you sure? Have you ever been in need of something and you didn't know where to turn and you didn't know how to get to where you needed to be and you didn't know how to get the help that you needed? Guess what? That's the least of these. We have this ideology that the least of these are, is a homeless person or a person that's, that's in, in Africa and starving or in Haiti and, and they don't have clean water and all this kind of stuff. And those are the least of these as well. But there are, other, there are other people that find themselves in the category of the least of these. And probably in this room, a crowd of this size on a Sunday morning, there are people in here that you have been the least of these. I can tell you this, that there's never been a time in my life when I have been un unemployed but there have been two seasons in my life where I felt like I was the least of these. And I have the resources of a large church and all this kind of, but I can tell you there are two, there are two, two seasons of my life where I didn't know where to turn, I didn't know what to do, and I couldn't talk to anybody about it, or at least I felt like I could. And so when he talks about you've done it to the least of these, I know what that feels like. And if it wasn't for a man, the first time was, was in Atlanta, Georgia, when Kim and I were first married, and we literally, I think I've told you this story, but we literally had a stick of butter and a can of mushroom soup in the refrigerator. That's all we had in our refrigerator. We paid all of our bills. There was no money left for food or anything like that. And she said, what are we going to do? I said, I don't know, babe. I really don't know. I have no idea. Later on that night after our Sunday night service, the associate pastor of the church where he's at, he told me to pull our, pull our car around to the side, and when I opened, he opened the trunk of his car, and there was like nine or ten bags of groceries. What was he doing? God laid it on his heart to reach out to the least of these. Look, it may be the person across from you in your cubicle at work. Maybe you're there right now personally. Maybe you're living that reality.
What do we do with those situations? Are we open when we're not the least of these? Are we open to seeing through the eyes of the Spirit those that are the least of these? When we hear things, do we, do we just discount it or do we try to research a little bit and try to find out, okay, is this really what's going on and can I do something about this? Can I do something about this? Micah 6.8 says that God's speaking. He said, I've shown you what is good and what I require of you to act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. There's an element of justice to what I'm talking about here this morning. Justice means to treat other people with dignity and respect. it's It's a social obligation, especially toward weaker members of society, and it insists on the rights of others. Separated out from what we see in the judicial system and all this kind of stuff, but listen, listen to the words of the Spirit through the, through the eyes of God when he talks about justice as an expression of love. It's characterized by constancy. It's characterized by consideration, absence of discrimination or recrimination, and a readiness to cover a multitude of sins and wrongs. Now, what did we read up in 1 Peter about love? What does love do? It covers a multitude of sins. So if we truly love God with our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and we love our neighbor as ourself, then are we not going to be more aware of the opportunities that God puts in our path to show kindness to others? The answer to that question is yes. At least we should be. We should be figuring out a way. If we really are Father, people that follow Jesus Christ, if we're really Christian people, and we're really individuals that love God, and we want to we show God that we love Him in a part of the discipleship and making room for God in our life, part of that is giving in service. Part of that is reaching out to the least of these. If we're going to make room for God, it can't just be about a meal or about 15 minutes on a, early in the morning when you're reading four or five passages from our, from our 2020 reading plan. It's got to be more than just coming to church on a Sunday and sitting here for an hour and five or ten minutes and then going back to your life and never remember it again until the next Sunday. It has to be about engaging with other people. Well, I'm going to start looking for people out there to, to really engage in. Making a difference means to have a significant impact or effect on a person or a situation. Yeah, but I can do that outside. What what about here in your family? Is it important? What about your own personal family? It's very important. 1 Timothy 5.8 says this, Anyone who does not provide for their relatives, especially for their own household, has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. What are we going to do with that? Does that also apply to the family of Generations United Church? Some of you are sitting there going, oh, here's the hook. Here comes the hook. You're right. Here it comes. Here it comes. Because there are a lot of people that go out in the community and serve and serve and serve and do and do and do and do, but never do a thing at the place where they call their church home and their family of faith in their family of faith community and never do a thing to expand the kingdom here. I mean, look, maybe you don't have a lot of money. Maybe you're a single mom and you don't have a lot of time. You're working two to three jobs and you're going to school trying to, trying to provide a better life for you and your family, and, and I get all those things. 
Maybe you're a single dad with the same scenario. Maybe, maybe you're, you're a waiter or a waitress, and maybe you just don't make a lot of money as a, as a laborer or something like that. I don't know what your situation is, but I'm not denying your reality. I'm just saying maybe there's a way you can make a significant impact in somebody's life through giving and service. Maybe you can give an hour and a half once a month to take care of babies in the nursery over there. I raise my youngest, and I'm not raising anybody else's. Don't say that. Don't say that. Making the most of every opportunity as it's presented. Can you give 45 minutes after Sunday morning service, after the second service on Sunday morning, because they flip this building and get it ready for Wednesday night? Takes five or six people, takes literally 15 to 20 minutes to flip this building. Could you do that? Or maybe after Wednesday night, you could help flip it back for Sunday. Maybe you can give a couple hours once a quarter for supper on Saturday and feed hungry people in our community. Maybe you can be a part of the seating individuals that John Peoples works with on Sunday mornings in the second service because in the second service, there's a lot more people than there are in the first service. You say, well, we've got plenty of room. Why don't we just move the walls back? Because we still have, the largest we've been so far, we still have 135 chairs available in the second service. Plenty of seats. Well, I don't want to sit down front. Get here on time. <laughs> Look, I'm just kind of pretty, plenty of seats, okay? Plenty of seats. I'm just saying. But yet we need individuals to help those that can't make, you know, well, turn the lights on. We can see the seats. You can see the seats, okay? Didn't I read a passage earlier about grumbling and complaining when you serve and give? thought I did. I just, just. Somewhere in the back of my mind, I thought that was biblical. But here's the thing. You may not be able to give $10,000 a year. But can you give $10 a week? That's two, that's two cups of Starbucks, a venti mocha frappuccino. That's two of those a week. If you set those aside, it's 10 bucks a week. There's ways that we can give. There's ways that we can serve. Can you give financially to see children come to know Jesus and have their lives transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit? Send a kid to camp. Oh, well, Pastor, I'm, I'm, I'm just getting up in years and I'm, I'm too old and I've done my part. You know, here's the thing. I have not found a single place in the Bible where it says we retire from being a disciple. You can do something. You can do something. Mother Teresa said, worship is finding the least of these and loving them like Jesus. Let's stand. Let me close this thing out. I'm just going to close it with a question. And I want you to ponder it, and then Tommy's going to come and do what he does as we close the service. But here's the thing. Here's the question. If everyone was as involved as you are in giving and serving, would Generations United Church be making more of a difference or less? I'm not talking about what anybody else is doing. I'm asking you specifically to think about this question. If everybody that made Generations United Church their home was giving and serving at the level that you give and serve, would this church be making more of a difference? 
or less of a difference. What are you going to do about that? You want to get involved at Generations United? There's a way to do that. You go through Go Points. I've been around here for 45 years. Well, I've been around here for 36, and I went through it. Read everything that we did. There's a pathway to service. And it's Go Points. You can sign up at the Hub. It starts again the first Sunday in March. And I encourage you to do that. But more than anything else today, I just want you to think about what I, the last question I asked you. If everybody served and gave at the level that you're serving and giving, would we make more of a difference or less of a difference than I ask you to do? Get involved. Show God's abundant grace in its various forms. First, to the household of faith that you come to every Sunday, the family, and then to those you come in contact with out in the world. Be salt and light. Amen? Tommy? Amen. It's a good question.